We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Field of 68. Field of 68 till I die. You got somebody, hey Jeff, shut up. Hell no. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out for a second. (laughs) This is Alabama coach Nate Oates. And we're not playing. I watch Field of 68's After Dark Show. This is coach Bruce Pearl. I love the Field of 68 After Dark Show. This is Duke head coach John Shire. Check out Field of 68 After Dark. This is Xavier head coach Sean Miller. I highly encourage you to take a look at After Dark. Now listen to you guys every morning when I'm getting ready. This is Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on the Field of 68 After Dark. It's Wednesday, March 8th. Uh, Guys, it's conference tournament week. Tonight felt like the first big night of the power conferences. The Big East tournament is underway. The Big Ten tournament is underway. The ACC tournament is underway. Nothing against the small guys. We cover it all here. But I'm finally getting the swing of things. I'm feeling like the madness is here. And I know you guys are feeling the same way. We got a great crew tonight. We got Laval Jordan. We got John Henson. My name is Greg Waddell. And as always, we are brought to you by Bet Rivers. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84. And you can watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel as well. If you are in the YouTube channel today, keep your eyes peeled. We're going to do some special giveaways later in the show. More to come on that. And you can always throw questions at us in the chat as well. We will answer them during commercial breaks. Gentlemen, it's good to see you. John, how you doing tonight? You got a big win tonight. We're going to talk about that. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Um, you know, the, the big time games start tomorrow, but today was a kind of a fun day um, to get us warmed up. Carolina's fighting for their proverbial lives. So that's going to be a fun storyline to watch. Yeah. Could have gone much worse for you boys tonight. Didn't happen. Laval, you looking good as always. You feeling good? I'm great, man. I, I'm undefeated. So I'm, I'm still in. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Not all teams can say that. At this point in the season, uh, and we are going to get to many of these tournaments I reference. We're going to go through North Carolina's huge win against Boston College and everything else that happened in the ACC tournament today. We've got Big t- Big 12 tournament action as well. West Virginia with a huge win. Uh, and then at the end of the show, we're going to do our best to bop around and get to everything we didn't get to in those two sections. But the big news of the day, gentlemen, Jim Beheim's time at Syracuse has ended. Maybe a little ambiguously, if you watch the post-game press conference, he kind of left the door open. He said, it's the school's decision. You're not talking to the right guy. About two hours later, well, the school came out and said, thank you, Jim Beheim. We're moving on. 
What did you guys make of both this announcement and the timing of it today? And then we'll get more into Bayheim's legacy. But Laval, let's go to you first. Was this very surprising to you how this played out for a legendary coach like Jim Bayheim? Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was a bit confusing at the end. You know, I think many people expected this could be, you know, coach's last run at it. Uh, so that part wasn't surprising necessarily, but how how it all played out, I think was a bit of a surprise. But look, it doesn't take away from from any any of his accomplishments, what he's meant to college basketball. I mean, he he's been the coach at Syracuse since before I was born. And uh, so you just it's synonymous, Jim Beheim and, and the Syracuse Orange and, you know, and and making that program a brand, a, a you know, one of the one of the schools that kids think about, like John North Carolina is one of, you know, Duke and North Carolina. And like, you know, that Syracuse is up there on that platform. And and Jim Beheim has a lot, if not everything to do with it. Um, so you would like for him to be able to do it in his own way you know if if we were writing it writing the movie script you know uh obviously it didn't go like that but like i said it doesn't take away from it you know what coach meant to the game and what he's done um it was just a bit you know uh, odd at the end <laughs> but uh but heck you know heck of a uh, heck of a coach and heck of a accomplished career um so he'll, he'll go down as a hall of famer we all know that and and what he's meant to college basketball you, you know it's hard to hard to put into words John, how will you remember Jim Beheim? Um, one of the gatekeepers of the game, second all-time in wins behind Coach K. So, you know, he's his name is going to be synonymous with um Syracuse and college basketball until, you know, the end of time. Um, it was definitely kind of weird how he went out. It was almost like the school was like, hey, Jim, you know, what you gonna do? And he was like, ah, I'm not ready yet. And the school kind of had to make the decision for him per se. Um, because you know, a lot of coaches announce it and they say it's your last year and they do the um, what uh, coach at Notre Dame did, but uh, can't argue with his accomplishments. National championship, you know, final fours was relevant for 40 years in the beginning of college basketball, which is hard to do, which is going to be even harder to do now with NIL and things like that. So, you know, just appreciate the greatness. I'm glad I got the witnesses, I got to play against Jim which is, was, 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 was kind of fun uh, in the garden. So um, just blessed to have those kind of guys around to, you know, carry the game on and uh, push it forward. Only thing yeah. I wish, Greg, I wish he would have been able to announce Adrian Autry. You know, if, you, if it was going like you would have drawn it up, mm-hmm. he would have been able to, to put Adrian on the pedestal and, and talk about why he's, you know, why he should be the coach and why he's getting the job. You know, that you would have liked to have coach be able to say that and speak on him because they've been together so long, what he means to Syracuse and why he's the guy. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that's a good point because uh, as you mentioned, Adrian Autry is now Syracuse's head coach. And if this was, you know, your, your good old fashioned, normal coach retirement tour, or even not even a tour, if this was just a planned announcement, uh, you would think given the relationship those guys have, Jim Beheim would want to do that. It kind of points this to me towards this not being mutual is that fair i mean john's nodding yeah i I think that is kind of because in the press conference he's like well it's not up to me it's not up to me it's it's not up to me and you know i think i think we were thinking that we're like maybe he's gonna talk to his family and you know you know kind of um i did not expect it to come out that same assess the situation 
And then it's like the school was like, put this on Instagram. We love you, Jim. And that was it. So definitely could have been handled better. I, I actually thought that maybe he did not think he was going to lose a game today. I, I, I don't think he was prepared to lose today um, and, and, and give that announcement or give that speech. And, you know, there might have been some disagreements because I discussed this probably two or three months ago in a Field of 60 episode. There should be they should be pretty good next year. <laughs> like he's gonna have a pretty good team. He's got some kids coming in, so you know he's probably looking at that like, man, I could probably go out a little better next year. But obviously, the school may probably made that decision for him, and he'll be around, man. So he'll be fine. Yeah, there's a lot of guys on that Syracuse roster. No, no quote, right? There was no quote from coach in the mm-hmm. release. It was just like, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it it felt a little odd. He kind of. Uh, I mean, he said straight up, it's not up to me. You're talking to the wrong guy. Ask the school. And it's like the, the school had this saved in their drafts. They were ready to go based on how it played out. So interesting, man. I uh, Obviously, I, uh, I, I think the world of Jim Beheim as a coach with all that he's done in his career. He's one of the greats from this generation of coaches who are leaving. Uh, I would be lying to you, though, if I said that just the way I will remember him feels a little different after – the last couple of years, but really this year, I mean, he was really sour to the media this year. And I, I have a hard time believing some of those post-game press conferences where he was real ornery to student reporters didn't play some sort of role in this. Now, I don't want to overread it, but, um, you know, it, it, for such a legend that he is, it's just surprising to see a school seem ready to move on from someone of his stature. So um, very interesting to say the least. Uh, any thoughts on Adrian Autry just around the horn before we move on? I mean, um, certainly I, I think no one was surprised to see this name, but Mike Hopkins is another name people would throw around for the Syracuse job. What are your early thoughts on Adrian Autry? More than deserving. Uh, He's been there. Again, you want to see, like, when you have have it stay within the family, right? Obviously, I think a ton of people thought Mike Hopkins, if it would have happened, you know, a few years ago, uh, when when he went to Washington, Adrian was the next man up in everybody's mind, and he more than deserves it. So I'm excited for him. Yeah, um, definitely deserves it. I think it's good for continuity of the program. Obviously, they have recruits and things like that that they can, you know, still be in contact with. It's not a whole new regime. So, um, you know, Syracuse is a program that's going to be here, you know, irrelevant for a long time. Um, So it's a good hire to keep it going, keep it rolling, and uh, keep it in the family. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens with Syracuse. Certainly a program you're going to want to keep your eyes on going forward. A roster where in this new era, uh, a lot of talented players where if the head coach departs, could they potentially play for other programs next year? Who's to say we will have to wait and see. That wasn't the only coaching news of the night, gentlemen. And this one just happened within the last hour. It's very fresh. Texas Tech has parted ways with Mark Adams. I don't know that this is super surprising given the news cycle in the last week of what has happened with Mark Adams, an incident where he reportedly spit on a player uh, and said some comments post spitting on the player that uh, if he said them are pretty reprehensible. So uh, I think this sort of felt like it was going to come at a certain point. Don't know that it felt it was going to come an hour after Texas Tech season ends. But, uh, John, what do you make of of Mark Adams departing Texas Tech? You know, I, I, they they looked into it. 
obviously, and they found some things that they probably were not too happy about. Um, and if that is the case, um, you know, it, him for him to step down is admirable of him. Um, and I think he probably had, you know, didn't have a choice. So the stories we were hearing were disturbing. So, you know, whether those were confirmed or not, I think him stepping down lets us know that, you know, he was not, you know, behaving himself in the proper manner of a, of a head coach of a big time basketball program. So um, it needed to be done. Um, so that's going to be another interesting opening um, in college basketball, man, because Texas Tech is um, they pulled themselves from the depths of college basketball and made themselves a little relevant. So hopefully they can keep that going. So it's going to be interesting to see who they hire, man. It's uh, unfortunate for Mark Adams, but uh, needed to be done, obviously, when they looked into it. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, Liddell. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, you don't know what's uh, what's true, and what's not, but obviously, <clears throat> if they were had, if they had a better season, you know, maybe it ends different. Um, but I think there was a lot other, a lot of other things, you know, prior to that, that uh, in the culmination of it all, you know, and so they they came to an agreement, it seems, and and so we'll see what happens next. Um, but they've they had they've had a ton of momentum in recent the recent years. Obviously, Coach Beard leaving to go to Texas, uh, so it'll be interesting to see you know how do you keep that momentum going uh, now that you know you've ha- not had a great year and now Coach Adams steps down. He was like John said with Adrian Archer, he was the guy to keep it together with the recruits and and uh, to kind of keep it going in the right direction, and it hasn't. So it'd be interesting to see what they do from here. Yeah, where do you think they turn, Laval? What would you do if you're Texas Tech? Uh, yeah, I have no idea, Greg. Don't put me in the athletic director seat. Uh, it's a it's a different seat, man. But I, like, it's, do you think Texas Tech's a program that can go nationwide search at this point? I mean, well, you're in the Big Twelve, and it, obviously, it's the best best league basketball league in the country this year. Uh, you're going to add Houston. You're going to add UCF. You, you know, it's so. Uh, um, obviously, they have a, a ton of money down there and resource well. They've got a good fan base. They draw well. So there's a lot of positives, you know, in the state of Texas. So that's a battle with Baylor in Texas and Texas uh, and the other schools in the state. But I think they can, you know, they'll, they'll get a good coach uh, and be able to attract somebody, you know, that's familiar with, the, you know, Texas Tech and the area and things like that. It's going to be tough to get some kids in Lubbock. You know, they had kind of a – they kind of had a system going right where they had some – you know, they had some momentum as a winning program, a relevant program. So now it's kind of who can they hire, right? Who can they who, – who wants to go there? And they're probably going to have to start from scratch, I'm assuming. I'm not to trying to go to Lubbock. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> they had some – they had a little momentum going, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do and also who they hire, you know, even the Texas job, if, if Terry doesn't keep the job, like, you're going to have – to really hire the right person, you know, because um, you know it's it's a situation where you need the right guy to be in there from a personal from a perspective of being a good person uh, as well as a coach. So it's going to be uh, very interesting. But uh, Lubbock is uh, hey, Rodney Terry going to Texas. Line. Texas doesn't keep him. Rodney, yeah, no, nah, Lubbock <laughs> is not. You know, it's it's a fine line between Lubbock and Austin. I'm just telling you that right now. <laughs> well, let me let me throw my absurd theory back yeah. at you guys because uh, the moment that I read the report of the incident and the wheels are spinning that Chris Beard will not remain in Lubbock much longer, or that Mark Adams will not remain in Lubbock much longer, my instant thought is. Chris Beard back to Lubbock. I mean, I've seen crazier things happen in this sport. It sounds like Chris Beard is trending to Ole Miss. Should Texas Tech try and go scoop up their old coach before he ends up a rebel? Why not? 
Why not? <laughs> yeah, I, it, I mean, they, they could in theory, but I don't know, man. That would be that would be that would be weird, man. That'd be kind of weird. After like, all that has that. transpired, I mean, that would just yeah. be such an insane turn of events. Um, what a, what a short-lived rivalry between Mark Adams and Chris Beard. I mean, you, it looked was looking like a year and a half ago. This is the next decade defining Big Twelve basketball, and now. Here we are. I guess that's what happens when uh, some poor they never coached a game against each other, did they? Did they ever play? No. Yeah, they there there wasn't there one. There was one last year. The return that was last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the big moment. But <laughs> hey, uh, we didn't get to see too many more of them. It is what it is. I am going to read just quickly. Uh, we have some names that have been texted to me from an insider here. Names that are in the mix for Texas Tech. Paul Mills, Grant McCaslin, and Steve Lutz are the three names to keep an eye on. So Texas Tech fans, if you're looking for names, if you're wondering who your next head coach is, you can start right there. All right, gentlemen, coming up, we're going to move to some games that happened tonight, not some coaches that departed their programs. We got through that piece. We're going to talk John Henson's own North Carolina Tar Heels blowing out Boston College. Are they going to make the run again? Are they doing the same thing they did last year? We'll find out next on the Field of 68 After Dark. Clear. Let's get producer Trevor in here. Trevor's running the uh, the chat mob for us today. Trevor, what's going on? I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Uh, Jeff Parks in the chat says, does UCLA's announcement that Jalen Clark is done change their outlook or change their ability to get a one seed at this point? They've done enough. They'll get a one seed barring anything drastic happening. I think did they, uh, I don't know if the field of 68 top four seeds are. We've, we've still got Purdue over UCLA at the moment. Okay, so I think UCLA will probably get a one over them, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, they've done enough, I think, to uh, uh, warrant that, you know, position. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they got to win the Pac-12 tournament would be my take. I think I think it's Purdue's unless uh, unless Purdue loses early. Maybe even if Purdue loses early, I think UCLA needs to repeat and be both regular season and Pac-12 tournament champs to get that one seed. Wow, they they just beat Arizona. Yeah, it was big. It was big. I think uh, from from what the bracketology guys tell me, I'm I am no bracketologist. Trust me, but uh, I've hosted enough shows with those guys where there's some love for Purdue, man. It's the Big Ten. Oh, bias. They had, they've had an unbelievable year. Don't don't yeah don't. It's not. What Purdue didn't do. Yes. Ten seconds. Down the stretch, though, it's kind of what it's, Purdue didn't it's do. Definitely gonna, it's definitely going to be a, uh, how you say Purdue takes these next Two. games. Welcome back. It's the Field of 68 after dark. Postseason play is here. Man, I missed this. I'm not going to lie to you. We, we love college basketball the whole season long. Everybody here, all the fans that watch the show, I'm sure love it, too. But there's just a different feel when you've got teams playing for their seasons and everything is hanging by a thread. We had some great finishes tonight. Uh, we're going to break it all down for you. We got Laval Jordan. We got John Henson. My name is Greg Waddell. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84, brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. And make sure if you're watching us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel, throw us a like. Click subscribe for us. You can jump in the comments, throw some questions at these guys. We'll get them answered in the commercial breaks and at the end of the show on the afters portion of the Field of 68 After Dark. All right, let's move to the ACC where, John, your boys got a big one tonight. Carolina 
blows out Boston College. Simply put, if they lost this game, they were not going to make the NCAA tournament. They don't have to deal with that now because they beat Boston College, but they still have work to do. This was an impressive, impressive showing for North Carolina. Many of their wins this year, quite frankly, have not felt this way. This kind of reminded me of the North Carolina last year in the NCAA tournament. So what is your take on your Tar Heels? Is this a turning point? Have they flipped the switch or was this more just a one game thing? I I don't know if a flip a switch was flipped, but if you look at the stats, Leaky didn't take a three, Pete didn't take a three, um, Demarco Dunn hit two threes, but you know you see a a sort of efficiency from them that you don't really see from North Carolina as of late, especially from the guard spot. So you know for me it was a great win, and I wonder if they can sustain this type of play that they did tonight. Um, shot good threes, didn't take anything that they didn't need to take. Caleb Love was aggressive. RJ Davis, RJ Davis hit his shots. The bench played well defensively, even though they didn't get much from the bench. Um, let's see if they, like, it was kind of boring, but we won, right? It was just kind of a boring kind of game where, hey, guys did what they needed to do, and we got we went to the next round. So against UVA, it's going to be more of the same. Leaky Black took 16 shots in that Duke game. That's not how you win basketball games. So he only took two tonight, right? So let's see if this can be sustained. We can definitely beat UVA, um, but I'm, I'm worried, man. It, it's it's going to be a, it's a gauntlet, man, uh, you know, if we get past UVA and then, you know, the other side with Miami and Duke. But um, tonight was a good showing. They, they played like their lives depended on it, and, and hopefully they can keep this stretch up. And and I would say, I don't know if you guys agree, but they ha- do they have to win the AC tournament? They have to win it to get in they can't even championship they can't even get to have to win it is that are we agreed they on have that? to win it okay nah, so one and nine against quad one so this, this yeah it, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what they do uh with their backs against the wall it's gonna be one of the storylines to kind of watch for this week yeah well, one at a time i you know you you yep. you appreciate that they came out like they knew what was on the line because mm-hmm. right? they've had some other games where it was on the line and and they didn't necessarily show up uh, so Caleb Love, you know, the way that they they played, inspired, they looked like, you know, it was meaningful. They looked desperate. You know, it was like, hey, yeah. this is this is our we, we got to do this to, to advance. And so now no. Sw- I don't know if it flip every time they win. We ask is, is a switch flip and then they kind of go back to, you know, what they what they have been. So by the time you get to March, you are who you are. Um, but you can kick in some desperation if you got some seniors or some guys that know they aren't coming back. You know how that is, John. Hey. This is the last hurrah and <laughs> the last dance effect. Um, so, but it was good. It, it hurts, you know. My guy Earl Grant's on the other side. I think he's done a great job. So I was, you know, I was, I was, I was hurting for him, but um, a good win for them. Just when I look at Carolina, I just go to the assist column, and it's like yep. if they continue to do that. They have 16 assists tonight. It's like that is a part of the recipe that they need to keep. And it's been up and down when they're sharing the ball, when everyone's involved, when Caleb is not forcing the issue, uh, you know, is it hopefully Armando's ankles okay? Because uh, he went out with the, with the ankle deal. So hopefully he's back and, and feels like himself tomorrow. Yeah. And Armando did return in the second half. Um, who knows exactly how, I guess, what percent is he? I don't think he's at 100% clearly, but um, good to see him back in the game. I would just say this to your question, John, about do they need to win the ACC tournament? 
I just think they need to keep winning. But if they keep winning in the fashion they did tonight, are you really telling me if they beat Virginia and they let's say they just get to the ACC final, maybe they don't win it, but let's say they get there, but they beat Virginia by 20 plus. Mm-hmm. Are they really going to be kept out? Like, I know the committee you mean for, their to- se- for their second quad one win, Greg. I, well, look, <laughs> man. Who's on the bubble if, right now? If LaValle, we throw like, a blind what? resume up and it was that without the name, what would you be saying? The, about the it? style points is def- the style points is definitely a factor. If they can dispatch Virginia easily, and then it'll be what Clemson or NC State or I don't I don't really know the side of it. I think it's Clemson or uh, and they can dispatch. You know, Clemson's not necessarily. Yeah, they're on the side it, with Clemson and NC State. Yeah. So and if NC State rolls and they dispatch them, and then you know they get a Miami Duke, and they take like. If they get to the game in the Miami Duke, uh, Miami Duke game, and and maybe it's a it's a toss up, close game towards the end, after they whoop these you know three teams, um, I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be on the edge of our seats, right? Because there's a lot of other te- there's other like Wisconsin, they're done, right? Like yeah, Wisconsin is so that Wisconsin just got knocked off the block. So like things could change this week too, man. Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, that's that's my point. It's like I get the resume game. Obviously, net rankings, quadrants, all that. I it matters. I understand that the eye test is not how this works. But is anyone in that room really going to tell me they watched Wisconsin tonight go down twenty seven points to an Ohio State team that lost thirteen of fourteen games at one point over the last two months? And you're not going to put a Carolina team who's doing the thing they did again last year. Like, let's not forget Carolina was a bubble team all of last year. And then they turned it on at the end of the year and everyone still wrote them off. And then next thing you knew, they were in the national championship. Right, game. Like, let me throw this at you. Great. <laughs> so Michigan's three and 11 versus quad one. So you're yep. telling me Carolina beats Virginia. Michigan loses to Rutgers. Who, who's in? Well, in that case, if it's really those two teams, I'm looking at the team that has the head-to-head win, Laval. I'm looking at the Tar Heels. You could go there. But that's that's not how it works, right? Like I know that's not how it works. I just had to go with your home your hometown favorite. Oh, I'm, yeah, that disgusted me to say out loud, Laval. That disgusted me, man. We need more than just Rutgers, trust me. And I'm going to the Big Ten tournament with my cape on to drag this team straight to the NCAA tournament with every fiber in my being. You guys mentioned another ACC team that looked, I mean, incredible tonight, to say the least, NC State. This game was over before halftime. I don't know how many points. I think it was over 50, maybe 53 points in the first half from NC State tonight. That backcourt, guys, is terrifying. There are a lot of top-seeded teams that should be absolutely terrified of seeing this NC State team in their pod for the NCAA tournament draw. Laval, how far could this NC State team go in March? Well, when you just talked about Carolina – and what they did last year, it was because of their guards, you know, turning it up. And, and you know, they were phenomenal throughout the tournament run. And what those two guards did tonight, you're sitting there going, OK, if we have one really good defender, we can we can put him on, you know, to Quavian Smith. But who's going to guard Jaquel Joyner? I mean, those those two guys, if you got two guys like that, they were Jaquel Joyner. I mean, individually his ability to get separation and make a shot and uh they're electric you know they just played with a an extreme confidence tonight and i mean I, that was scary you know they're, they're a team you don't want to run into uh, certainly especially with those guys playing like that going for 30 and 20 and 
And um, I mean, they poured it on from from start to finish. So, you know, like like you you know, you think about Carolina and what was the difference with is like the guards stepped up and they were hard to stop. These guys have a pair of guards that are are hard to deal with. Yeah, dynamic guards. Um, you know, Joyner had 20, 10 assists and seven boards. Um, you know, to Cravion Smith had 20 points, eight re like that is a scary number. And it, I mean it from the it started from the jump. I mean NC State came out and I was watching the game like, well, this will be over pretty soon. Um, so, yeah, NC State's one of those teams that they, and, and they play tomorrow. And I don't think those guards are going to cool off. So I think the ACC tournament, tournament in general is in trouble because those dudes are going to come out firing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So it was a fun game to watch. I love watching NC State, even though I don't like NC State. I like watching them. <laughs> and um I hope, the, I hope the Tar Heels and them meet, man. That'll be a fun game to kind of maybe go to the championship uh, just for a, a triangle perspective, man. Uh, NC State kind of, you know, always being a little stepbrother, man, trying to, you know, beat us. So it's going to be – I hope that I hope that comes to fruition. Now, the term little brother, Laval's heard that in his days. I know that <laughs> here in the state of Michigan, man. Is that, that – are we going to the little brother? Listen – it, it's when I was at NC State, it was it was light, so you know we want to keep it that way. When okay. I was there, when I was playing, it was a light day, so we want to keep it like that. For, for sure, for sure, yeah. uh, that would be a fun matchup if we get to see that. If uh, both teams can take care of business tomorrow, I would really like to see a, a quote unquote hot North Carolina team taking on a quote unquote hot NC State team with a lot to play for. Uh, last game I want to talk about from the ACC quickly. Pitt had to scratch and claw their way to a victory tonight against Georgia Tech. It's not often that you have a team that uh, was right there at the end of the regular season as a champion in that conference, and they're on the bubble. I mean, this team is last four safe seeds heading into today's results. Their season was hanging by a thread. They got the win. I don't know that that's necessarily enough to put them firmly in the field now. Maybe it is with how weak the bubble looks in general, but uh, John, from what you've seen, does Pitt deserve to be in the field of 68? I think they do. I think their body of work, they deserve to be in there. It's so important. Like you go for a two point loss, puts you down to the fifth seed is, is crazy, but that's just the nature of college basketball. And it's kind of been the nature of these teams that have kind of popped up out of nowhere, like the Rutgers, even like, you know, that it's almost like when it when it gets tough and, and it's time to, you know, strap the boots up, they kind of falter. And I think Pitt did the same thing this year. They kind of sat back on the laurels and all right, we're good. And boom, all of a sudden you're a fifth seed in the AC tournament. So um, I think they're firmly in, um, you know. It depends on the perimeter shooting. If they shoot it like they shot today and play like, you know, they're, I think they're forced to be reckoned with. Um, but it is kind of crazy that they're on the bubble, to be honest. But that's just life in the ACC. It's not really a lot of quality wins you can garner up, you know, especially take some bad losses. They're, they should be in. I mean, they got to win against – they got to win at Northwestern, who ended up – that ended up being a, a, a quality win. They beat Virginia. They beat Miami. Um, you know, they, they beat Carolina twice uh so why you know they should be they should be they beat oh, we don't got no quad one wins why are we being brought up this, this is not just beating a regular run-of-the-mill team we, they beat nc state we're just talking about yep. you know you, you you got they they should be in and 
they're not, you know, they're they're the way they won tonight is probably the way they're going to win if they continue to win. I don't know if they're blowing anyone out just with their style of play, but they should be in. Simple as that. I agree for the record. I uh, I thought Pitt was very impressive over the long haul in conference play in the ACC. Say what you want about the ACC. But uh, with how weak the bubble is, man, there's a bunch of Big Ten teams that I am not as big of a fan of. Uh, I think Pitt deserves to be in safely at this point. Coming up next, we're going to move to the Big 12. Uh, we got West Virginia handing Mark Adams the final loss of his Texas Tech career. Uh, and we've got a bunch of other games to get to. That's next on the Field of 68 After Dark. And a clip. So we talked about your Tar Heels, John. And I think they could make a run at this point. I'm not going to lie. I- I'm seeing ghosts from last year because I doubted them the whole run last year. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're playing for a, a stepladder, scissors and a net. But there's a lot of people out there that would say I'm wrong for thinking Carolina could make a run. And if those people who think I'm wrong want to prove it to me, now they can do it. They can do it at Run Your Pool, who we are partnering with for the official Field of 68 bracket contest this March. Our own Rob Doster has worked with Run Your Pool before, which is why he's called me like 100 times in the last week to tell me how excited he is that we landed this sponsor. They have more than 50 game types for every sport you can think of. Survivor games. Bracket pools, head-to-head games, squares, and my personal favorite, the Pick X games. The scoring is customizable. You can tailor your bracket rules to the pool. It's sweet. But here's the best part. Run Your Pool wants to pay you. They're giving away $1,500 in cash prizes for free. All you got to do is sign up at the link in the description. Go to play.runyourpool.com slash field68. That is F-I-E-L-D-6-8. Fill out your bracket. You're instantly eligible to win. And all we got to do, guys, once you sign up, once you fill your bracket out, you just got to show up on Selection Sunday. And that's coming up sooner than we think. Have you guys signed up yet? John Henson, are you in Run Your Pool for us Five yet? seconds. I'm locked in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. I have not. I have not. I need to get in there. I can actually do it now. It's legal. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're speaking my language, Laval. Uh, you're listening to Laval Jordan right now live on Sirius XM channel 84 uh, as I am convincing Laval Jordan to join Run Your Pool, where we're hosting our official bracket contest this year. We are live on the Field of 68 After Dark, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You can watch us on the Field of 68 YouTube channel as well. Throw us a like, throw us a subscribe if you like what you are listening to. Laval's here. John Henson is here. My name is Greg Waddell. We just talked about the ACC action from tonight. Now we move to the best conference in college basketball. That would be the Big 12, where the most notable result of the night was West Virginia blowing out Texas Tech in a game that really was not that competitive, a 78-62 to finish. Uh, West Virginia, a team the metrics have loved this season, despite racking up some losses. They've got a bubble-ish record. The quality metrics absolutely love Bob Huggins' Mountaineers. So, John, let's go to you first. Are you buying West Virginia? Do you think this team can make a run in the tournament? Um, I don't know about, I don't know about making, making a run, but this is a team that you probably don't want to see. Um, they've, they played some tough games, some tough opponents, uh, especially when they had that gauntlet of like five straight, like top 15 teams, which they just kind of got them off on a bad foot, but 
they're a solid team. Huggins has a Huggins team, and they play hard. They play fast. Um, they, they they play a brand of basketball that you just don't like playing against. And and as you can see, they've they've kind of worn cats down, you know, down the stretch in the Big Twelve, and even now tonight, they just kind of wore Texas Tech down. Like Texas Tech was like, all right, well, this is just, I'm, I'm I'm tired. Uh, this is too physical. So. Um, don't know about a run, but I, I'd, I'd hate to see them in the first or second round, and they're fully capable of winning going to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I was going to – John, I agree with I agree with you totally. Like, I don't know if you want to see them first the first weekend. <laughs> Just style of play. Like, you're not going to be able to run your stuff. They're in you. It's physical. And they they can blow you out, you know, when you're talking about, like, Pitt. West Virginia, like they blew Pitt out. Like they can, they can run you. Just, just if you can't handle it. Uh, so they're, they're they're not a team you want to run into. <laughs> I don't know if the, how deep they can make a run. If they can make a run, I just wouldn't want to play them right off the bat. <laughs> right. Just, yeah, they've certainly turned their season around. They started conference play five consecutive losses, which. You know, in a lot of conferences, anytime you do that, we would write you off for the whole season. In the Big 12, that's just a footnote because sometimes you're playing Kansas and then Baylor and then Kansas State back to back to back. Uh, it, it was good to see this team start to climb out of it record wise, just because I do think, you know, had they lost one to two more games this year, it gets hard to talk about putting them in the tournament. I mean, they're just a 15 loss team at the end of the regular season. It's almost impossible to convince people they deserve it. Even if everything with the eye test, everything with the quality metrics says they're a top 25 team in the country. And it would have been a pretty unprecedented situation. Um, Laval, I want to ask you this because uh, you, you mentioned that's not a team you want to see. And I feel like we, we throw that around a lot in general with the NCAA tournament. Uh, I want to flip this on you, and I'm going to hit you with a hard question. You know I love to do that. What's the type of team you would want to see in the NCAA yeah. tournament? Like, is there – hey, you don't have to name you, a name, but a style no, of play. What, like, what once you, you get for? there, everybody's everyone's good. But it, why, the reason I say that about West, a team like West Virginia, uh, you know, when you're running into it, I, like if you're – if you can operate with some level of comfort now – like especially on the offensive end, you're used to running your stuff, whatever that might be, and executing your offense. And so the teams that don't allow you to kind of play the way that you're used to playing, and and those are the teams there, and and their physical, um, not knowing how the game may be called, you have officials from different leagues and all you know around the country now that you're into it. So I don't know that. You know, everyone's good. You respect everybody by the time they've gotten in, they're good. Look at St. Peter's last year. Look at Loyola's runs. Look, you know, so you you respect them all. Um, but there's good, you know, good enough matchups. Like you're to John's point, like they just keep coming and where you and where you out by the end of it. Uh, so if you have a really good backcourt and you got really good guards and you, you got multiple ball handlers that can handle it, you're probably you know you're not as un, you know West Virginia doesn't look as bad. They still still like okay we got to deal with this but you have you know different ways to kind of you know handle it um so that's the reason i say that about them uh because they i think they're good metrically because they can blow you out so now the metrics look good in terms of the net and everything when they win they can beat you really bad <laughs> wisconsin yeah. can't do that pitt doesn't right. do that west virginia can beat you by 25 30 because of how they play 
for sure. That makes I would sense. Love to see, I would love to see Pitt on the first weekend. If we talk on teams we'd love to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, first weekend? Different Pitt, game, though, right, John? Like, it's going to yeah. be tough, but you can execute, you can run. It's a make or miss and, type and that, of thing. That second weekend, or that first weekend, the second game, I always say this, was the toughest game every year. It was a team like West Virginia. It was a team like that kind of faltered, but kind of picked it up late and, and is a tough team to play. Maybe didn't have the best expectations because we were a number one seed. It was an eight or nine seed. But that eight or nine seed is literally the, were the two toughest games we had to play. Barring, you know, elite, obviously when you get to the Elite Eight, it's, it's going to be a tough game. But I could think of that. That second game on the first weekend against a team like West Virginia was the toughest game for a top-seeded team. And think about your if you're in that one day prep, Greg. Yeah. West Virginia is not prepping. They're going <laughs> to blow up all your stuff anyway. Yep. So they're not walking through your actions, you know, worried about your screen to screen or sets or your stuff. They're going to pressure you out of all of it anyhow. So they're resting while you're talking about how to, you know, where you might be preparing to actually guard their actions depending on how you play. So that one day prep is different for them than it is for you. <laughs> yeah. John's sure. point. No, sure. that's a that, that's a great point. John, be honest with us. You've been a part of some some very high seated teams before. Mm-hmm. When you're staring a 16 seed in the eye and you're staring an eight or a nine two days later, are you just full prepping for the eight nine? Hundred percent. Uh, you know, specifically, I remember the first year we were number one seed. We had the Washington Huskies, Isaiah Thomas, pro Terrence Ross, pro. Um, that a couple shooters they had a big down there from London. I forget his name. I mean, this was a we only won by like three points. <laughs> I mean, this was a tough game. And then the next year, I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, oh, was it the um, was it Vermont, the Catamounts, or we had Creighton? I think we had Creighton back with Dirk McDermott and Grant and all those guys. So, like, those are two teams. If you, you know, you guys probably remember those teams, right? Mm-hmm. So, those were tough teams, and so I think West Virginia is a classic second weekend could be the number one if you don't come ready. And we definitely prepared ourselves for those games. Um, those games were the most – I would say the pressure was on us the most, right? Like we we, we had to get ready for those games because being a number one seed, you don't want to go home first weekend, man. That's that's a, that's that looks, that looks bad on the record, man. So, yeah, we, yeah, you had, to, you had to get ready. Laval, this also reminds me of a, a moment in your Michigan tenure. And obviously, I'm a Michigan fan, so of course I would pick this out. But uh, I remember a lot of talk about what a what a scary matchup VCU would have been yeah. for Michigan in the second round, right? And obviously, you guys weren't a one seed. You didn't have a 16. You had to prep for that first game, too. Um, but, yeah, man, we that's... Snuck out. We snuck out of the South Dakota State game. They had Nate Walters, who was a really good, really good player. Yeah, he was in my draft. He got drafted with me, man. I, he got yeah. the best float I ever seen to this day. He was, and he gave Trey Burke everything he can handle. But yeah. again, that that second day we're gonna play VCU, and it's like, all right, you know, the two guard offense is kind of null and void because we're not gonna run it tonight, fellas. We got break the press and score off the break, off the press break. Yeah, <laughs> thank and God I'm, Tim Hardaway Jr. had developed his ball handling skills by then. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm assuming I can give you full credit for the move to Tim Hardaway Jr. on the ball that game. Worked like a just a gem, LaValle. Great job. Great oh. job. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So last question on West Virginia. I, I looked over to our friends at Bet Rivers because I am a betting man. You know I got a sprinkle here and there. The line for tomorrow's game, they play Kansas, Ooh. is Kansas minus three. I mean, 
that's a pretty eye-poppingly close spread for the team that just won the Big 12. A lot of people think is in the conversation for a number one seed. They, they are on the line for a number one seed right now. The defending national champs and the eighth seed in this conference. Are you surprised it's a three-point spread, John? I am surprised, but I will say this. I made a lot of money today by these small spreads that they think is going to be close. So I'm going to ride Kansas. I mean, I love the value, if we're talking betting, that I'm getting on Kansas at minus three. Um, I took Oklahoma State today. They they blew them out. I took NC State as well. It was like minus two and a half. So these small lines, if you pick the right side, it could get ugly for the other side. So I love that line from a betting perspective, but, you know, maybe they – see Kansas is not being motivated, neutral court, who knows, but I think Kansas is going to dispatch well, them pretty easily. Go back to last time they played, it was a two-point game now, and Kansas yeah. had 19 turnovers. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, and we all know this, Dewan Harris scored 17 in that game, and Dewan Harris, Harris doesn't always score 17. <laughs> when he does, it's hard to beat Kansas. Um, right. But if West Virginia can take it, I think that's their thing. As much as they turn you over, they'll turn it over as well. So if they can, you know, kind of you know, move the scale toward their favor with the turnovers. But, you know, they uh, they they're, they'll, they'll have, they have a little momentum. You know, Kansas is walking walking out of the uh, out of the locker room. West Virginia's already played a game. You know, I don't know how much that fa- how much does that factor in, John? Like when you when you have I, I think this, I think it's a style of play thing. I think West Virginia plays hard. They play aggressive. So I think that could also be a factor tomorrow, too. You know, is West Virginia. How do they feel? We didn't necessarily play that at Carolina. We got up and down and we were in supreme condition. So it didn't really I never can think of a time where I was like, oh, I'm so tired. So I don't know if that matters with college kids, but. Kansas, I think, also wants to win this game. They want to kind of flex their muscles a little bit before they get to the tournament. So um, I like Kansas in this spot, but it's going to be a kind of a fun game to watch, especially like midday, 3 o'clock. Uh, whew. Um, but I like Kansas, though. I think Kansas will take care of them. I think Kansas is, is – um, Did you, John, let me ask you, as a player, did you struggle with the bye, like team coming in that's played a game or two and you've been sitting – you guys, um, you guys were in that position a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, we the first game was always tough. Now that I look back on it, the first game was always the toughest one because you're coming in fresh and the other team has been rolling. They've been in the hotel. They played already and have nothing to lose. Um, so the first game was always tough. And then kind of from there, it kind of smooths on out. Well, gentlemen, uh, that was a lot of West Virginia talk. I have one final piece of advice for any bettors out there to wrap our betting segment here sponsored by me and john henson and of course bet rivers you will never get rich fading bill self at the end of the season that's the final piece of advice i will give you coming up gentlemen we will get to everything else we didn't get to let's fly around the big 10 the big east even a couple mid-major games of note that is next on the field of 68 after dark and clear laval i got a question for you do you ever get tired of trying to prove that you won an argument? I don't know. 
That's you don't you don't seem like the most argumentative guy, but I'm just I'm just curious. You know, you've got some <laughs> takes on here every now and then you come back to your takes and you can take a victory lap on us. Well, I have an answer to your problem, Laval Jordan. Vaulted is a new sports prediction app that turns your opinions into facts. You can store all your predictions and hot takes in your own vault now and forever again. You can challenge your friends, you can keep track of the results, you can prove that you in fact are the smartest person in your friend group. Vaulted is releasing more than 50 pools in the next three months. So you can download the app at the link below, sign up for your three-month trial, and store your predictions now and forever. You guys probably know this by uh, just doing a couple shows with me at this point. You can probably tell through the microphone here. I've been known to have a, a little bit of a petty gene and the wager gene in me. In my notepad on my phone right now, guys, is a notepad of bets that I have made in my personal life with friends and family for years. I'll read you some after the show wraps. I got to move this out of the notepad and into vaulted. It's so much safer. I'm going to have to do that. Just saying. 10 seconds. I like I like that. It's like a it's like a you know you've got your you know how like Action Network app has like you Five know the seconds. log where you can see your units you know same thing you got your you personal go. units. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is the Field of 68 After Dark, Wednesday night, March 8th edition conference tournament week is here. There's a ton to get to. We've already talked ACC action. We've talked Big 12 action. We've talked the departures of Jim Beheim and Mark Adams. But guys, let's fly around. Let's try to hit as much as we can from the night that was in this sport uh, before we get to our afters. Anything we don't get in this segment, we will stick around uh, for afters portion and get to after the show. You can throw some questions at us as well in the YouTube chat. Laval Jordan, John Henson. My name is Greg Waddell. Guys, let's dive right in. Let's start in my territory, the Big Ten. Ohio State, I would call it a statement win, but it sort of feels like it's a little too late for a statement win for a team that uh, probably needs a couple more wins to get into the NIT. They did end Wisconsin's tournament hopes tonight, though. That's what happened, right, Laval? Uh, I, I would say so, you know, just knowing that they were on the bubble and, and Ohio state hasn't been great. You can't lose, you know, for Wisconsin, they needed that one to, I don't know who to secure them in, but they needed that one to, to keep themselves in the conversation most likely. Right. I mean, they have six quad one wins, but you know, faltering here lately, probably out at this point, but we'll see. I mean, they'll be sitting there sweating on selection Sunday. John, are the Badgers in or are they out? 
They're out. They were leaking oil. Not that, they were, they're officially <laughs> they, they've officially, they've officially stalled out. Like uh, I mean, they were these last few weeks have been rough for them. Um, it's unfortunate for them because they're a pretty good team. But you know, Ohio State is also a team that you know I, I kind of watched throughout the year. Um, they have a high ceiling. So if you don't, you know, they're young, John. Them, they're, they're young. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to be young in that league. Right. And, and, if, and it, it seems like whatever message coach kind of put to them guys, like, you know, maybe the message, hey, look, this is we're playing for next year. We're playing for minutes. We're playing for spots. We're playing for roles. So I think Ohio State players have taken that to heart as a young team. And um, they took care of the 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 older Wisconsin team and uh, kind of put them to bed. Um, so, yeah, they're done, man, unfortunately. So, Laval, you mentioned their youth. What do you attribute? Ohio State's turnaround to this season? Is it just guys growing up a little bit and getting used to this? Because this was a historically bad stretch in the conference for a team that I think it's very fair to say is at least middle of the pack, if not higher in terms of talented rosters in the conference this season. Yeah, talking to Chris, you know, his uh, obviously he was frustrated there and I've talked to him a few times in the middle of the you know, when they're in their struggles. Uh, and it was just a young thing. I think he 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 sat, brought, ben, brought Sensible off the bench one of the games. And to John's point, it was playing for the rest of this season and beyond, you know, and obviously kind of getting those guys to see the big bigger picture. Um, because young guys, they can, you know, they got down on themselves, lose confidence, and next thing you know, it's a snowball. Uh, so credit Chris for, for being able to rally them here lately. I think they're older guys. Suing's playing better. Look, they needed their older guys to play better because a lot of there was a lot on their younger players. Um, so, you know, that has something to do with it as well. And and getting comfortable without Zeki. Like he was a piece, a centerpiece for them. Not that he was going to score 20 points a night, but just a reliable defender, an anchor on defense, a communicator to get those young guys in position, a traffic cop in the back line. That hurts when he's not out there, right? You know, you got your big guy that tells everybody where to go uh, and he's not available. So that takes some time to get used to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I I agree, I agree with that. Um, I think even Zach, he kind of being out allowed them to kind of open up a little bit, right? And and just play um, and not having to necessarily just kind of go through him and kind of tell on what he does. So you saw today, man, they, they played loose. They played like a young team with nothing to lose. Yeah. And Akpara has been fun to watch, man. Yep. Like he he's certainly has a high ceiling. He's a guy I want to keep my eye on in the future, as are a lot of those Buckeyes freshmen. I don't know who all they will get back. You got to think Bryce Sensabaugh is going to have an opportunity to be one and done and head straight to the league. But um, man, that backcourt, the guards they've got mixed with Akpara and the recruiting class they got coming in. I would not uh, write off Chris Holtman at all based on how this season went, especially with the last four games that they have played. And the best news for Buckeyes fans, they're not done. They get Iowa tomorrow. They could certainly win that game, make a little bit of a run, and see how far they can go in this Big Ten tournament. Let's go to the Big East. where I was looking oil, too. They are. They are. It's been a <laughs> I, Talk about a team. I'll just say it if nobody else wants to. Talk about a team you'd like to see in your draw in March. I'll, I'll take the Hawkeyes, man. There's a history there. Uh, all right. Big East play. There was a very controversial finish tonight, or at least it sounded controversial at first. I think ultimately the officials did a great job and made the correct call and uh, made it 
uncontroversial, but DePaul upsets Seton Hall. Shaheen Holloway's year ends uh, in the first round of the Big East tournament. There was the block at the buzzer that was originally ruled a goaltend. They went to review. It appeared Seton Hall had won the game on the goaltend call at the buzzer. They overturn it. It's a clean block. DePaul moves on. Seton Hall's finished for the season. John, um, I mean, it's a surprising result, I think. This isn't a Seton Hall team that was projected in the NCAA tournament field at all. But still, DePaul has been one of the few teams in the Big East that people this year have been able to sort of mark off as a W. Uh, are are you shocked by this result at all? Yeah. Um, shout out to Bet Rivers. I also took this game, and I lose sometimes as well. So when, the, when Seton Hall is up five, right, you're thinking – you know, okay, they're going to at least cover maybe. And then all of a sudden, turn I mean, how do it's, it's losing that game is, I, I don't know how they, I mean, you seen Shaheen Holloway's face, like he was like shocked. Like he couldn't even, like, you know, you're up five or what, 40 seconds, 30 seconds left, and you end up losing the game. Um, DePaul was playing with nothing to lose. Um, the big three, you know, to close the game to two, the turnover, the block. I mean, everything went wrong for Seton Hall, but, you know, they should have won that game. And and that's just the lesson that they'll learn next year. And, and Holloway will have to kind of teach his guys, you know, hey, it's not over till it's over. But DePaul to keep fighting, um, that's what college basketball is, what it is, man. It was fun to watch. It was a fun game. DePaul's got some athletes. They've got some. They've, they've got some guys over there. So they, they've got some, talent. I called a, t- a few of their games, Greg. Like they, yeah. they have talent. Javon yeah. Johnson's a talented dude. Yep. You know, Emoji Gibson can score. Like he can shoot the ball. Getting Nick Ungenda back. Like he hasn't played all season. Really he played like the last five games or something. Uh, so the, the it's a, the talent is there. Um, and they, you know, obviously Kadari Richmond not playing for Seton Hall is a big thing. A big piece uh, because they needed his late. You think late in the game like that, that's the guy that's going to get the ball and, and not turn it over, go down and make free throws to seal seal the game. And he's not he's not available. So, uh, but yeah, I could see the look on Shaheen's face. And Shah's oh. a good friend. And I mean, it was like, come on. <laughs> yeah, man. Was, but the rest of like- the officials, I'll say the officials did a phenomenal job. They're going to call. They're going to call goaltend because if they if they call it a block, you, there's no review. So they happened on the Butler uh, Xavier game in Hinkle, same uh, a similar situation. You know, Butler was going in for a layup. There was a block off the rim. They're going to call goaltend that allows them to go to the monitor to get it right. And so that was the right thing to do by the officials. Yeah, I don't think we compliment uh, officials enough when they do something correct. So I'm glad we just got to call that out because I thought that was masterfully done at the end. Uh, and ultimately, yeah. we do we do get the picture of Shaheen uh, where they cut right to his face. Shout out to the producer who who knew right to get the zoom in of Shah right when the game ends. I mean, his face was just classic, man. He couldn't help but smile at the way that ended. So uh, that will not be the last we hear from Shaheen Holloway at Seton Hall. Year one is in the books, but I have a feeling he's going to build some more momentum there, and we will see him back in the NCAA tournament sooner rather than later. Uh, let's go to one other Big East game before we get to the afters here. Villanova dominant tonight against Georgetown. I've spent my last four shows on After Dark asking whoever's on the show with me 
if they're really getting suckered into the Villanova mystique, if they're really buying this team that's been pretty mediocre all season long and now they're going to make a run. Laval Jordan, you know this conference better than anyone in this network. I need a definitive statement from you. Is this going to happen with Villanova? Are they going to do this? Are they going to get to the Big East final? And then when they get there, it's anybody's guess if they win or lose? I'm, I won't be the one to sit here and say they're not because they've, you know, they've got three guys that have been there. They're seniors. They, Caleb Daniels has to play better. Uh, so they got, they have Creighton tomorrow, but they, Justin Moore's playing like he, the hourglass effect is setting in, right? The sand's running out and, and you could see the way he came out of the gates and he just set the tone. Like he didn't score much after that, but it was a tone setting statement out of the gates. We're here. Um, him and Dixon and Daniels. And then Cam Whitmore has been playing efficient, which is scary, John. Like he, he was inefficient early, coming back off the thumb or the wrist or you know, the injury, trying to prove how good he was. And then Justin Moore wasn't by his side to be able to, to, to help him. So he was trying to do too much. Uh, but now he's an efficient basketball player, which is scary. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's yeah. explosive. John, John, I'm going to cut you off here. We are about to wrap the show. We'll get your thoughts on Villanova right after the break. For Laval Jordan, for John Henson, this was the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Greg Waddell, and we'll see you next time. Nice. You're clear. All right, John, let's get your thoughts. I need you to. Are you buying the Wildcats? Yeah, I mean, they look good today. Um like Whitmore looked like a pro. He was taking all the right shots. He was driving all the right times. He was looking athletic as shot. I mean, he looked good. Villanova looked good in general. Also, I mean, I think they put the graphic up. They're like 29-3 in the garden. Like that's what they do, right? They 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 win in the garden. So that's a team that's gonna be interesting to watch because I feel like they might have a little chip on their shoulder, man, from just how the season Dude. went and they want to prove that. They can play. They can hang with the big boys. And if they were to get to the tournament, I put them in with West Virginia. You don't want to see them early. Here's what I say, Greg. Here's why I, I was in on them like two weeks ago when they were they they beat Xavier, they beat Creighton, uh, Seton Hall. You know, they kind of won those three games, and then Connecticut got them pretty good at, uh, on Senior Day. But the just style of play, like John knows, it's they're going to slow the game down, and it gets frustrating to the opponent. So it. it it's all about if they're making shots, like if Caleb Daniels is – he hasn't shot the ball well lately, but Justin's has. Cam's playing efficient. Dixon's been good. But you're only going to get 65 possessions. like, mm-hmm. And so if you don't value yours, because you know they'll pretty much value theirs and get a good shot, now whether they make it or not. But that's a it's a frustrating way to play. But for three games, for four days in a row here that they got to win, you know, they're, it's not – they're not wearing themselves out <laughs> – and, and you get frustrated, anxiety sets in, you're, you're on the stage in the garden, and next thing you know, you get a little tight. Um, so that's the reason I give them a chance. You know, Creighton's got all the pressure on them tomorrow, not Villanova. Right. Yeah, that's a game to keep an eye on. There's plenty of great games tomorrow, but, uh, man, I, I'm a Big Ten guy. You guys know this. I have a hard time not flipping over and seeing what's going on in the Big East tournament. I don't know if it's just the mystique of knowing it's at the garden, it's the Mecca of the sport. Like, what's that like, Laval? It, it's the best. It, it's, you know, having play, been in Big 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 Ten, Big East, it's the best. Tomorrow's the best day, hands down. You go from noon to, to midnight, and the garden's packed. And here's what makes it good. I told Rob this the other day. 
it's not just the fan bases. It's the random cats off the streets from New York that just want to come into the garden and see the show. Like they just want to see the block tonight from Nick Ungenda. Like there's just people showing up. They want to see Kimba Walker do the step back. Like they're just there to see the show and they go and it gets crazy. So Thursday is like the best day. It's, it's a lot of fun. If you're a player, like there's no better place to be. John, what's the ACC vibes like? I know in Greensboro, man, that's a controversial thing. I call it the cocktail party, man. It's a cocktail party out there, man. Everybody's just <laughs> hanging out, you know, rubbing elbows, talking about their investments and what they got going on. So I wouldn't call it the – I wouldn't say it's the energy of MSG uh, by any means. You know, I think – did they try to have the AC tournament in Brooklyn one year? They did. We tried. Did. didn't work out. So, you know, we're back We're back to Greensboro, North Carolina. So, uh yeah, I wouldn't say the atmosphere of that when I played there, it wasn't like, I mean, it was a home game for us every game. So it was lovely, but it wasn't a crazy atmosphere like the garden where, you know, it's kind of electric and it gets a little buzzy when certain teams are playing. You know, it's, it's almost like a tournament atmosphere before the tournament. Yeah, that makes sense. What's uh, I mean, you can even go NBA days here, John. What's the best atmosphere you've ever played in? You know, I like. Portland and Boston are fun atmospheres. MSG is fun with the Knicks. Um, I was, I was, when I was a young player, I was with LeBron one with the heat. So when he was down there in Miami, it was a, it was a crazy kind of environment, man. Just being in that arena with him and playing, you know, we played him in the first round as well. Uh, my rookie year when they won it. So that was for sight to behold, man, just, 20,000 fans dressing all white, jumping around, fire everywhere. So that was probably my most memorable arena. When LeBron was in Miami, bar none, it was a craziest <laughs> kind of kind of crowd with energy-wise. I believe yeah, that. Greg, you have you got to put that on a bucket list. MSG for the Big East tournament. For sure. Oh, I have to. Have you got to go. I would love it, man. Absolutely, I would love it. I, I, you can sense it through the television, right? I mean, I got the three screens up both this week and next week. I'm a, luckily I'll be in Chicago for the Big Ten tournament this week. But uh, man, it's just the best, man, and it's always felt special. So it's good to actually hear, like, yeah, I'm just the fan in me isn't making that up, right? There is something special about the Biggies. So, all right, let's get producer Trevor back in here. See if we got any questions. I've been ignoring the chat for like 50 percent of the show. That's not usual. First of all. The chat's fired up as usual, but I do want to mention we're going to do a giveaway in the chat tonight during the afters here. Our friends at Bet Rivers, a $50 digital gift card to Top Golf being given away tonight, as of right now, to one lucky member of the chat. Greg, did we decide how we wanted to do this? Are we asking a trivia question? Are we going for best question they ask us? What What are we feeling tonight? How about this? I bet I'm sure John probably knows this off the top of his head. The first person who can type in the YouTube chat, John Henson's career high in the NBA, will get that $50 you guys be shocked. gift card. You guys will be shocked. Career be high points, John Henson, NBA, go chat. You guys, you gotta, be, yeah, you guys are going to like this one. Oh, I can't wait. I can't I, wait. I wasn't a scorer, so I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember how much I, I scored. I'm sure you do. Come on, don't don't play like you know. You got to no, know. One hundred percent. I was gonna say one hundred percent. I wasn't a scorer. So we have I mean, a wide variety of numbers. I'm not sure people oh, are just throwing things at the wall or what's happening here. I love it. Let me confirm. Yeah, we're gonna need. To yeah, let's here. Right let's let, let's take a couple other questions and yes. then we'll come back to it. How about that? We'll come back in like five minutes so people can get their their numbers in and we can go back and look who was right. Don't cheat out there though. No, nobody Google this. I don't want cheaters getting a Top Golf gift card. 
Yeah, I, I knew that. I knew the answer. I love it. I love it. All right, we'll tease it. We'll come back uh, 12-10. How about that? Six minutes from now, we'll have John Henson announce uh, his career high, and then we'll announce the winner. There we go. All right. We'll All right. What we'll we got, Trevor? Any questions? Yeah, we'll go to Alex. He said, "Does anyone have an advantage when you're facing the same team twice in like a week? For instance, Baylor and Iowa State now facing again after they just faced each other." You saw that play out a little bit in reverse today with Wake and Syracuse. They were coming off the final game of the regular season. Q's won, and then I mean, Wake Forest pulled away in the second half pretty largely. Yeah, I think the team that lost in those instances, because they're going to make an adjustment, you know, more so than the team that just won the game. Like the last couple of years, we we beat Xavier in the Big East tournament, and we had uh, recently played them and lost to them, you know. And so, you know, if there's an advantage, because you, you you you, you're more likely to adjust things, um, and especially in a short window. Yeah, and I, I think Baylor is, I mean, they're not playing to get, I mean, they're playing for a position in the tournament. I, I think they, they their, their work's not necessarily done per se um, from a regional standpoint, you know, to, to that type of thing. So I think Baylor has, you know, a lot to play for, especially early. Those Baylor guards also, I could just be making this up, but like, they just seem like the type of dudes that I wouldn't want to see again. Like if I threw a cheap shot at them, and beat them. I don't want to see those dudes again. I, let alone three days later, however many days later it is. I would be a little uh, afraid of that matchup if I'm Iowa State. Okay, Brady said, as a team, if you know you're already in the tournament, do you ever try to switch things up or try something in the conference tournament? If there's nothing uh, on the line. Uh, when I played, um, not. I mean, we didn't... Yeah, I wouldn't say we were like we were trying to hide what we were because I think Laval, you said that earlier, like you are who you kind of are at this point. I think, but um, yeah, I don't think we tried to disguise anything. It's not a college football bowl season, you know. We kind of, <laughs> you know. So no, nah, not 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 that I remember. You no, know, so no, yeah, you're, you're gonna do what you do and get it, and that's gonna be enough if you're already in. Um, you know, some teams put a little more stock. I, we just want you just want to win. If, as a coach, you're just trying to win the ne the next game. Yep. And uh, and your guys, you only get so many opportunities, John. You know, is to to cut down nets. So if you can yep. go after a conference tournament championship, you know, your guys want that. They 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 want to be there holding a the trophy. So there's it's as serious as yeah, even if you're in. Look, looking back on it, honestly, I wish we would have taken a conference tournament more serious now that I'm older and, you know, basketball's done because um, we didn't really put too much stock into it at North Carolina when I was there my last two years. But I, I would have definitely, if I could go back, I would say, hey, look, this could be something to talk about for the rest of our lives. We win this thing. So, um, you know, the motivation factor, I think, for kids, if I could if I could say something, I would say, listen, man, play, play like it means something because – it's a big deal, man. You get a banner for this stuff, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, that's it's it's fun. John, is that a players-led thing to say? Like looking back on it, we we really didn't care. Or is that even a thing where like the coaching staff could come in? Like, just it's less of a priority compared to you're already a one seed. You're trying to get ready for the week after. Yeah, like knock on wood, you, you know, especially if you're a top-seeded team, you're a one-to-one-two line, right? And nothing's going to really change that. You want to get to the tournament healthy. 
I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. Um, and so that kind of is in the back of, I think, a lot of teams' mind and coaches' minds as well um, going up into the tournament. You know, you don't want your top guy to get hurt or be banged up. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a fine balance you have to find. But if you need to go get that championship to improve your stock, then this, this, then it's a free for all. Yeah. I've experienced two things, Greg. One was like, uh, and this was on the other side. We won the Big Ten outright in 2014 in Michigan, and uh, Michigan State was pissed, you know. So they came into the conference tournament <laughs> to get the, their championship back. You know, Coach Izzo saying it in the newspaper, and it's like we're so sometimes you have that where you know that that that's the driver whatever happened in the regular season. But then, like you talked about, when we made the big run at Michigan, and John, I don't know, you, like our guys were tired. Uh, we lost to Wisconsin in the in the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. But you just see, they just were sick of playing <laughs> against the Big Ten. They were, like, ready for something else. And you could tell, as much as we were trying to motivate them as a coaching staff, they were just, like, sick of it. It was, like, the yeah. beat up, the grind, the same guys, and the, you could see it on their faces. It was, like, not that they weren't interested. It was just, like, enough like we just yeah. want to get to the tournament <laughs> yeah. for sure that's a that's a factor too because you know especially when we played we were usually the one we were the number one seed i think my last two years and you could see like i think we lost to like florida state and you could just see they were just so ready to play we we're just like oh my god like, <laughs> we're gonna have to deal with these boys at bernard james you know like, we just like man these cats coming in here they ready to take our heads off we just trying to make it to the we, just try we we number one overall man we just trying to make it the next week so that definitely is a factor i need those exact same vibes from a potential michigan purdue matchup on uh <laughs> well tomorrow you're, at noon you're right? definitely yes. going to get that from a hundred like michigan like michigan's going to come in there michigan is going to come in there i think and i don't know if they'll beat them but purdue is not if, if purdue doesn't come ready they're going they're going to i think they're going to smack them yeah, we got to get through Rutgers first, but I, I would not mind the Purdue team that just wants to be healthy a week later. I'd be okay with those vibes. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you guys this quickly, and then we'll throw it back to the chat in a second. Actually, we're, we're past overdue for John's uh, points total, so we'll get that in a second, too. I wanted, I'm curious about that. I'm, I'm like on pins and needles. Okay, let's, ju- let's jump to it. What's the number, John? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was 28. Oh. Yeah. It's 28, man. Do we, do we have a correct one? We Trevor? do. Brock. Brock guessed 28. And I must say, Brock guessed it the first guess within maybe 15 seconds. So I don't know if he's got the fastest Googling <laughs> fingers out there right or now, what, but congrats to Brock. I will say this. I Googled it. John hits a career high, and, I mean, it popped up all my career highs. So we, we can't give Brock too much credit because, <laughs> I mean, it literally took me 30 seconds. But it's all good. We'll, 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 we'll Brock, you're the, you're the guy. You know what I mean? We'll trust Brock here. That hey, two off from a thirty piece though, John. Sure. I, mean, I didn't even know my career high rebounds was twenty five. I just learned that tonight. Damn. So that was that's fun. That's Shout nice. That's, that. that's extremely <laughs> fun. Uh, all right, I, I want to go back because I had one more question for the two of you guys quickly. Then we'll throw back to the chat. Um, so I somebody posed this on Twitter maybe yesterday, and I want to get both your thoughts after going through it. How would you stack rank the importance of three different types of banners you could get? The regular season conference championship, the conference tournament championship, or a final four banner? Let's say you don't win the national championship, but you make the final four. How would you stack rank the importance of those three? 
Final Four's at the top. Um, I think a, uh, you know, when you win the regular season, you're in the tournament most cases if you're in a in a in a high, in a high major conference. So it depends on where you're at, right? If you're in, if I'm still in the Rising League at Milwaukee, it's the conference tournament. <laughs> 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 you know, if I'm at Butler in the Big East, like it's hard to win a like Shaka Smart run an outright Big East title for the first time ever in Marquette school history. Think about that. So that's a big deal. And whether they win the conference tournament or not, like they they so uh it depends on what conference you're in. I'd say if you're in a bigger conference, the regular season, if you're in a smaller conference, obviously your only chance your your probably only chance to get in there is a the conference tournament. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go Final Four. I got knocked out twice in Elite Eight. And um, the Final Four, just from my older older, older Carolina guys and the younger guys, even the guys that won it, that's like a lifelong bond and connection you have with your brothers. So, you know, I never got there. So that's one of the things that in college I kind of am real sick about. So that's definitely number one. Um, I'm going to go regular season um, because it's it's a grind, especially, you know, when I was in ACC, it was a grind. Um, it was tough. And then, uh, yeah, tournament. Um, we were in a high major conference, so the tournament, you know, if you if you won the regular season title or the ball, right, like you're in, you're in. You got a banner too, you know. You get double banners if you'd like, but you got a banner. So, okay, good answers. Thank you for that. I, uh, yeah, a banner's a banner. I, I had to say that to my co-host the other day. He was trying to play. He's a Michigan State fan. He's trying to play the. Well, you know, things are clicking now. I just want to make sure we're good. I'm like. It's been a couple of years for y'all. You didn't know that, right? Like, we're we're not gonna say we could turn down a banner at this point, right? Like, come, go get yourself a banner if you think you're playing well. So, thank you for giving me some context there, Trevor. Let's do two more questions from the chat, and then we'll finish with our toasts. Perfect. Uh, Brady wants to know specifically for Laval: How does a coaching staff get prepared on Sunday after they hear their teams draw? What are the first couple of things you do once you know the spot you're going and who you're playing? That's a good question. The, the first thing the head coach and the players do media, uh, but the assistants go right to work. I mean, your film, your, your video guy and assistant coaches, you know, they see the bracket. So they're immediately divvying up the scouting reports for the, the, the other opponents, the other three opponents in the brackets uh, and gathering film on your first opponent to head right into that scout for uh, tomorrow or, you know, for tomorrow's practice. And then you're, talking to your operations guy and uh, administration about travel, right, John, when you when you need to leave to get to the destination, wherever, you, wherever you're going to go as the head coach, you're trying to figure out, okay, what time we need to practice based on when we have to travel. Uh, but your, your staff goes right to work with scouting, opponent scouting, um, and trying to get as much information as possible, talking to other coaches, you know, that have played against them and, and everything that goes into, you know, trying to learn about that, that opponent and those, and that, that, that first team up. Uh, and then obviously the other two teams on the other side, you're trying to figure out logistics, get your guys to bed that night. Cause they're excited, right? You just, you, you saw the show. So get your guys to get some sleep and get ready for practice and refocus, uh, get through the excitement so you can start into your, your work. Hey, I tired assistant, assistant coaches. Oh, coaches. they going to grind, right, John? Listen, man, listen. People always be like, hey, man, you want to coach? I'm like, yeah. 
They used to beat us to the gym. We got there pretty early. I had a lot of sleep for those guys in the next week. And we and we used to and they used to leave after us. And we left pretty late. Like I, you know, it's the grind, man. Like that's the thing that people don't see, man. That the assistants and the coaching and the staff and the administrative, <laughs> I respect it. You know, even at the NBA, even in college, man. Like put so many hours and so much work in. So yeah, that's the things people don't see in college. You man. win the first game for those that are out there like that. Because now you got one day. So mm-hmm. you go in, you get the first win, you got one day. So you are you're on fumes as a staff. But yeah, obviously you get the players fed and get them to bed as quick as possible, get to the trainer, get to the recovery. But you're up, I mean, because you're watching whoever won that other game and you're trying to get the, get a game plan ready because you don't have a lot of time with your guys. Like you can't have the players out there forever. You got to rest. You only have a day. Yep. So you're trying to get it to a bite-sized amount of information you can give them that they can retain. But to get there, you're up. I mean, so after that first win, it's, it's fumes. So that's why a lot of people, when those when they go on a run, it's like we don't have to remember. Like it, you, you need to sit down so you can just reflect and, 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 and recall everything that actually happened. <laughs> what a grind. I mean, I, I'm genuinely tired just listening to that. It's, <laughs> it's wild. It's, it's wild. Tough. Uh, quick All shout right, out by trip. the quick shout out by the way to Tony who just now said twenty eight. He's he's on top of things <laughs> in the chat. His Wi Fi. Can we, can we give Tony a gift card too, Trevor? <laughs> do we have enough? Maybe we'll make the rule starting tomorrow: the first correct answer and the last correct answer mm-hmm. gift card. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, last one: Who's the team that you guys feel most confident in, regardless of their matchup? Is there a team that you feel matchup proof, like regardless of who they draw, you think they're going to make a, a run? Good question. John gets to go first on that one because that's a good question. <laughs> John's muted. John, you're muted. Hello? We got you. I'm back. All right. Um, no, nah, I was going to say I like Houston. Um, when I watched them play against Memphis, I, as we talked about before, um, Teams not showing a lot of stuff. They went to a zone. They didn't necessarily have to go to a zone, and they played that throughout the first all second half, and they still ended up winning at the end. But I like Houston, regardless of matchups or what's going on. Houston, they, I think they have what it takes. Ooh, matchup proof. Houston's a good one. I, you know, man, that's a hard question, Greg. I, I don't know if I have a really good answer for that one. Because no one, no one's been that dominant this year. Where you're like, oh, it doesn't matter who they play. I think there's, I think everybody. Houston's probably the most. They have the guards. They've got the toughness, the physicality. You know, rebounding. Um, you know, if a team just bombs away from three, like in Alabama, they can beat them. But they're probably the the closest. Uh, I would I would say, you know, UCLA without Jalen Clark's different. I probably would have gone there. But he's one of their best defenders, and their their defense is so reliable. And Alabama has to make shots. You know, if they don't, they can have an Oklahoma type night. <laughs> um, good question, man. Texas. Mm. It's a good answer. Guard play. You know, you got enough at, at most positions. And I don't know. You know, Texas or Kansas might might be next on my list. I think I got a surprising one looking through just the top 10 here. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think my answer would be Gonzaga because I think 
I think personnel-wise, there's a nightmare matchup for a lot of the teams that are going to be on the one or the two line ahead of Gonzaga. Maybe not Houston, but we already said that answer, and I don't want to copy. But UCLA without uh, – I mean, with the injury situation right now, I don't feel as good about them. Alabama can just go cold shooting. Um, Purdue, I think if they face a team that puts some pressure on their guards – Kansas and I think I'd lump Texas in with them like if they see a dominant big man I'm not sure I love how they could match up defensively there um to me Gonzaga has the most moving parts that could slide in or out depending on matchup like you know Timmy's in the front court if you see a team that goes too big I like what Watson can do defensively if you see a team that throws three guards out there they have more than enough guards with Hickman with Salas with Bolton with Malachi Smith um they've got true wings they've got shooting and they're kind of under the radar like every gonzaga team for the last five six years has been like the number one overall seed whereas Mm -hmm. this year's team has won like 10 straight games and nobody's really talking about them so i think i'd go gonzaga here's a question for you i know you guys shut it down is with kansas because that was my next like dewan harris's production is like the thing they talk about when you talk about kansas but has it been because of the matchup or is it just, just him? I don't know if the teams have taken him out, right, when he's not as productive. It's, it's kind of been on him, hasn't it? That's how I, I see it. What do, you, what do you see, John? They have uh, been a matchup-based thing, I guess is my point. So. I, it, it, either, I mean, it may be a, a relative thing, like, you know, when you say, like, hey, this football team wins when they run the ball 30 times. Well, they have to be passing it well to be running it 30 times, right? So I think with him, it's a, it's a game flow thing. If they're, if they're clicking, he's clicking. If they're not, it's going to be a long game. So um, I, I don't know if it's – I think it's just a, a game flow type thing. I don't, you know, I don't see him as, like, this guy looking for a shot. I think it's just in the foot in the flow of the game. If, if he gets, gets going, it's, it's tough to beat him. What I will give Harris credit for is when they had that quiet spell earlier in the season. I mean, he was playing 43, 38, 37 minutes in those three back-to-back-to-back losses, shooting one attempt from two-point range, three attempts from two-point range, four attempts from two-point range. In this win streak, he's upped that entirely. He's taken double-digit shots from two in multiple games. It's much more like the average is like seven, eight shots a game. Uh, He's less afraid not just to shoot, but to attack and to finish. Cause I do think he has a nice floater. I think he's pretty dynamic with the ball. And even in the Texas loss, while obviously it was not a great game, he took 10 shots from two. The yeah, ball just wasn't going in. Like yeah. you want him to be there mentally yeah. and with his aggression. Yeah. Like, live, live with him taking 10 shots. Yeah. Much <laughs> different team with that. All right, boys, let's do our toast. Thank you, Trevor, for yes, hopping sir. in. Thank you, YouTube chat. We appreciate all the questions tonight. Anybody got a toast? Who wants to kick us off? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go to uh, Nick Ungenda with the uh, the block to keep DePaul's season alive. And uh, you know he battled through. Like he 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 did not play for a long, long time. I think I covered. I think I called five DePaul games, and he didn't play in any of them. Uh, and, and most recently ended January against Connecticut. And so, uh, you know, to come back and do what he could to, to help his team, and, and he's a factor, especially on the defensive end of the floor. So huge, huge play for that young man. He's a, he's a good kid, you know, being around him at shoot-arounds. Like, he's, a, he's got a good personality about him. He's just, teammates love him. So you root for guys like him. 
I'm going to toast to the NC State backcourt. Um, 50 points combined, you know, 15 rebounds, eight or nine assists, you know. Toast to the NC State backcourt, man. It took care of them. That's big coming from a Tar Heel, John. Look yeah, at you. Man. Slight respect. toast. Right, respect, respect. Yeah. Um, all right, I, uh, I'll i go to Wake Forest. I'm going to go not the guy who hit the big shot, but the guy who made the play on the big shot, Tyree Appleby. 15 points, 12 assists tonight, six rebounds. I was a big fan of his game at Florida. I love what he's done for Steve Forbes at Wake Forest this year, even though, I, I mean, they haven't been front and center in the ACC. They haven't been front and center in the national media. I think he's been one of the best transfer additions in the country. Uh, and, man, tonight, uh, when that's a tie game and he's drilling down the court, I'm thinking for sure this is going up. He's had a clutch gene in the past. Instead, he makes the play. He kicks to Williamson, who knocks the three down. A very unselfish move and an unselfish game from a dynamic guard in Appleby. So, uh, also, the man who essentially – put Jim Beheim out of his misery at Syracuse. So congrats, Tyree Appleby. Uh, you may have defeated Beheim's 2-3 zone for now and forever. Cheers. Dear Adrian Autry, did he stay with the zone? <laughs> That's a great question. We didn't talk about that, did we? That's a teaser for next time. We'll uh, we'll come back in depth and tell you what Autry's 2-3 is going to look like compared to Jim Beheim's. Uh, gentlemen, this was really fun. I know you guys love it this time of year the same way that I do, the same way that our listeners do. So we appreciate you making the time for us. Uh, Laval Jordan, John Henson, these guys uh, have done a great job all year for us at the Field of 68. Uh, and as we head to the finish line, I'm sure you will see more of them as well. We will be back tomorrow. We're doing this every single night of conference tournament week. So stay tuned uh, for Laval, for John, for producer Trevor. My name is Greg Waddell. We'll see you tomorrow night on After Dark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.